0: To listen to the az wildcats podcast i am your host mike luke joined by the great william brad Alice. hello william how are you doing today my friend you know i'm
1: a little spoiled but other than that i'm doing great man
0: what's going what why are you spoiled what do you mean
1: oh
0: yeah all right long-suffering chiefs fan william brad Alice.
1: well you know 45 bad years five really good years so we'll, what, we'll i will take say it.
0: around campus there's a lot of Chiefs fans that I and I, I didn't know
1: that there were so many. The only
0: Chiefs fans I ever knew about were you Matt Mulebach, Lamont Lovett, and
1: uh um a friend of mine named Danny. That was it. Nobody else. Um it's you know it's a lot like I didn't know any New England fans other than the guys I drank with in college because they were all from Providence. Right. Now there are a lot of uh, guys in the early 20s who are uh New England fans, a lot of Warrior fans cuz they were all Laker fans. So, yeah, if you grew up and and you're you're latching on to someone about age 12 or 13 and now you're in college, there's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans. So, all right. Yeah we got a lot to get to this show.
0: Let's talk, though, about Arizona basketball. Brad, this was the trip that Arizona needed. As they've been a maddeningly frustrating team at times this year uh, with some of their losses. But the mountain trip, that was a great trip. Arizona needed this trip, William Brad Ellis.
1: Yeah, you know, obviously you don't like blowing the big lead uh, in Utah, uh, but the fact that they gutted that out, they they earned that three-overtime win. Um, and doing so kind of uh, in impressive fashion in the end because they actually covered because uh, I was playing hockey at the time and several guys were watching on the bench because they had some money right, right on the game. Um, but then to go in and do what they did in Colorado, they had every excuse to drop that game. Right. A uh, tough place to play. I thought they um, were going to lose. You know, a place they haven't won in what, eight, nine years or eight, um, you know, coming off a three overtime game, uh, altitude. Um, and they went in and and frankly, won by twenty something, and it could have been thirty something. And this, uh, what was so great about it, too, Brad, is that I, I just kept waiting. I'm like, all right, well, you know, we're we're up big. I kept waiting
0: for Arizona to kind of let him back in, and they didn't. There was none of that. And whenever Colorado looked like they were going to try to cut into that lead a little bit, right back at it, Arizona. This, like I said, this was a complete performance, very heartwarming performance.
1: Yeah, that that's arguably one of the two or three best wins of the year. Yeah. Um, in terms of quality of opponent, although I'm not sure Colorado's making the tournament now, they may not have enough quality wins. Um, but in terms of ad, you know adversity earlier in the week, uh, and just the way they kept that 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 foot on the gas, and I was watching it with some. Family who's from Iowa, they're big Hawkeye fans. They were kind of like first stunned how fast the game moved. Um, And then secondly, every time I kind of like, every time they got down to like 16 and I started, you know, like, uh uh-oh. They're like, what? You guys are in control. You're fine. But I'm like, no, you haven't watched enough Arizona basketball. But um, no, super impressive performance. uh, Because frankly, you know, Caleb Love was just okay. He didn't shoot particularly well. Some other guys uh, struggled, but not only did we see other guys step up, uh, but we saw Tommy Lloyd kind of dip into that bench a little bit. Conrad Martinez and uh, Philly B with some quality minutes. Conrad um, doesn't stink. I think I'm going to be wrong on
0: Conrad. Conrad doesn't stink. There's something There's something there to little El
1: Jefito.
0: Is that what they call him?
1: I think so. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like Tommy Lloyd said. The guy's just a competitor. And, he, you know, he's athletic. Um, you know, unfortunately, he's just my size, I think. But, yeah. Uh, yeah well, my um, my my size and your weight but um yeah. but he looks like a guy who might be able to come in and, and play a nice role over the next couple of years it's just a, you know kind of what we thought maybe barcello would be for arizona right um you know kind of a poor man's uh you know kind of you know for uh, kind of a mulebop type just a gritty smart player he might be no offense matt a little faster than matt was but um just a smart player who you know can come in and give you quality minutes when you need it. And that might be five minutes a game might be 25 minutes. Let's talk Kylan Boswell. We've been talking about it
0: from day one and we're going to get to your guy, Jaden Bradley as well. This was the best performance by both of them combined. I think all season Boswell was aggressive. He looked like he belonged out there and Jaden Bradley, let me ask you this. And again, he's not nearly the player. I get it. I get it. Is there just a little, just a little inkling of Jason Terry and Jaden Bradley?
1: You know, I hadn't thought of it um, because kind of, and some of it's just his build and his look. I always think of him as a, a point guard version of Solomon Hill—steady, right. um, smart, um, athletic enough. But I can see. I think J, obviously JT, was that elite NBA offense. But he's a spark guy. He's a guy who can come off the bench. He can get you points sometimes. But I just like the way he runs the offense. And again, I'm a, I love game managing quarterback point guards, as opposed to as much as I love Jason Gardner, don't get me wrong. Jason Gardner is one of my favorite players in U of A history, but give me a Mike Bibby. Give me that guy. Uh, Come on, Brad. Give me TJ McConnell, uh, a guy who can just run that offense, who doesn't need to score 14, 16 points a game. Who's just as happy being four and eight, you know, eight assists. I like those kind of point guards. Um, And I think Bradley's that guy. And I think when Bradley's playing well, that actually frees up a guy like Boswell to score a little more, to look for his shot. And when his shot's falling, we all know Kylan Boswell can be uh, a terrific player. And um, I think that's the kind of thing that, again, a a point guard like Bradley gives you. But even the other night, he he was hitting shots. He was, you know, he had that little mid-range going. He was getting to the hoop. Um, I really liked the way he played this whole weekend, really. Do you think that he's been to the BetMGM Sportsbook app? I mean, no, he's not old enough. Do you think he's heard of it, though? I'm sure he is aware of it because he seems to be a man of the times. But I would say no. I do not believe he's been, and I do not believe he will go until his playing career is over.
0: He's not old and cool like we are, and he can but uh, old BetMGM Sportsbook app. Sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM Sportsbook wager through BetMGM Sportsbook mobile app for at least $5. You will receive 150 instantly in additional winnings, regardless of your wager's outcome. Check out the show notes for details. Let's hear Damon with the disclaimer problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877 HOPE and ny or text hope and ny 467 369 York. Call 1-800-327-050-Massachusetts. 21 plus to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA. 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help Michigan. one 800 23 puerto Rico. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Visit BetMGM.com for terms. This promotional offer is not available in New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. And also the Gila River Resorts and Casinos. William Brad Alice. have you ever been there before?
1: I've been by it.
0: All I'm right, really I've been right too. like I said, got the cool little waves. Check it out. The immersive experience that is the Gila River Resorts and Casinos. You do you at Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Visit play at Gila.com for more details, authentic, and immersive experience. All right. Arizona basketball, I believe, should have, uh, I believe that they're squarely back in that number one line. A lot of people say, well, you know, they have these flaws. They have this flaw. If you watch college basketball, you're going to understand that every single team has flaws. Every single team out there has flaws. And look at Arizona's resume at this point. You beat Duke in McHale. Alabama now is a very good win. Wisconsin was fake good, but you still beat them. You got some quad one wins this weekend as well. If Arizona takes care of business, I believe they're squarely looking at the number one seed out West, William.
1: Oh, I don't think there's any doubt if they went out uh i think the bigger question is uh, what what stumble can they have and still hold the one because i haven't seen a projection now that doesn't have them a, as a one seed right and i think unfortunately for arizona with the 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 pack 12 being as kind of weak as it is there's not a whole lot of places to stumble um whereas you know someone in the big 12 you know kansas has some grinders left right um you know Purdue has some some grinders left even though they may be false grinders but uh so there's still places to stumble whereas Arizona yeah for sure Arizona's gonna be the favorite every game they play until March um so I think again Arizona's ability uh honestly I think Arizona could more likely get the number two overall seed than they could get a number two seed um just by playing smart basketball we also know they can lose to anybody so you know For all we know, they they could stumble to a team that's not even going to – that's going to have to play on the first night of the Pac-12 tournament, but they can also beat anyone in this league by 20.
0: Well, I think that's what's exciting, too, about the Colorado game is that Arizona gave a full effort there. And I think that's what's, you know, there's there's games where you just kind of wonder what, where exactly is the effort. Stanford's Stanford was one of those games. Obviously, Oregon State was one of those as well. This was a total, again, this is what a number one seed looks like. When Arizona is fully engaged from start to finish, I don't know that there's a team in the country that has a higher upside than the Cats.
1: Yeah, you know, and I look at it, too. I, I don't care, to be honest, about that Oregon State game. Um, because it's a hard to get up for a game, although their crowd was really good for who showed up in what late January, early February. Th- that's where you slip. The Stanford game to me is inexcusable because Stanford sucks and you got worked, but right. to lose to a scrappy Oregon state team with, when w- which was their super bowl. They, I mean, they had what 3000 people, four thousand, which is really big for them. And the kid hit a, a ballsy shot. I don't care. Stanford sucks. Stanford, you shouldn't lose, and the rest of them again. Washington State's not a bad team, and you lost in Pullman. I think Washington Washington State's, Washington what, State's second, good. Are they it the second be the best team in the team Pac-12? In the conference. Yeah, I mean they're heck. They're the only sure thing left in the conference to get. I mean this this could be a two bid league. How weird right. is that? Yeah. Um. So again, yeah. Stanford's the one you are like. There's no excuse because it was early. You know, you should be getting getting geeked up for Pac-12 play. Uh, Oregon state's a completely understandable one. And frankly, it might've been, you know, if I had really looked at the schedule, it might've been one I picked.
0: All right. Now with Arizona, um, Arizona though, like I said, they just, when they play like that, they check off every box, Mr. Tyler Warden, great name. Arizona, and by the way, I like stealing his stuff on Twitter. Tyler, I need more of those fun little stats that I can steal and uh, give you some credit for, but then it makes me look better. I need all the help. Uh, Arizona could 100% win the Natty, and they could 100% lose to a 15 seed.
1: They play like they did
0: against Colorado, and it's the former. They play like they did. Yeah,
1: I mean, you know, I get what he's saying, man. It just You and I said this a week ago, and a couple people blasted us, by the way. I said they could win a national miles. championship, but they could lose in the first round and anything in between. And a lot of it's going to depend on matchups. I mean, you really want to avoid, as I have said, you want to avoid a team that looks more like a uh, uh, ultimate Frisbee team who has a bunch of guys who can bomb from the outside and some big fat guy with a beard in the middle. Uh, those are the teams that can upset Arizona. Um, and conversely, yeah, they could they could make a, a really deep run with no problem and anything in between.
0: All right, let's talk more Ballo, leader of men. Umar Ballo, I think it's listen. Um, we know what Umar Ballo is, but I think people are also probably me as well. I don't want to uh, get. I think people have taken him probably for granted a little bit. There's not a lot of guys that have come through here in this storied history that are essentially 14 and 10. Um, now listen, he's got some real problems. Obviously, pick and roll defense he is not good at. Um, there are some issues. He can be heavy footed, but man, this is a dude that played like 40 something minutes against uh, uh, Utah or uh, Utah. And he's given it his all. I mean, he's he's gay, uh, or he's given, you know, he's given Arizona a lot
1: this year. Okay. L- let's go back, Mike, because I was thinking about this as I was yelling "Leader of Men" at my TV, and again, my my nice, laws were nice. very confused. By the way, you stole that from me. That was Alex Smith, "Leader of Men." Um, which Arizona big man has not been maligned? If you remember. People hate Tarzuski because he was a five star. He was supposed. To, Tarzuski was perfectly good for what he was. Mm-hmm. Was he a five star? No. But that's a good point. Lauren Woods was soft. Uh, Lauren Woods was soft. Uh, Channing Fry. Everyone said he was soft. Um, I don't know
0: Jordan Hill was really maligned that much.
1: And sometimes well, Is he a little lazy? No, but he's probably the closest. But you know. Honestly, the, uh, the irony is I think do sound Ristic because he loved Tucson so much is probably. Yeah. But he was go all limits. the way back, you know. People thought Works was lazy. People thought Stokes was lazy. He probably was. Stokes. Um, we can be honest about Stokes. St- nice guy, but he wasn't good. Stokes, look at the senior year numbers again. He was. Dude, I don't. Brad, what? He led the nation in uh, missed dunks. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. But he play. also he also uh, boxed out, so Chris Mills could be a millionaire. Um, the fact is, you're hard pressed for whatever reason, big men are what people focus on. I think it's because it's easier just to kind of look down low, and Balo has his problems. But Balo is he's a top three, four big man in the Pac-12. Um, he he's a matchup he's a nightmare, team for all people. conference player. Um, yeah, is he, is he, is he, is he a lousy defender at times with bad matchups? Yes. Um, but show me a seven footer who's not. Cause if you're, if you're too big and unathletic, the small athletic guys are going to get you. If you're too skinny, the big guys are going to push you around. If you're out of shape, you're not going to be able to run. So, you know, and if you're not one of those guys, then you're probably a lottery pick even in the modern NBA. And then you go to Portland and you don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So again, does Balo have problems? Yes every guy does pretty much on this team because that's why they're still in college. Right. Um, but the fact of the matter is Balo is an important cog to this team. He's not the five star he was coming out of, but he's an international player, but he, he's a solid three and a half. And that's what you need. Some of those guys to win championships. Now, Mel
0: Krivis, um, Schuster has been mentioned in this Mount crevis is the one that I still think that we need to be getting consistent minutes for him, because when you bring in a seven foot two guy off the bench, that's got some skills, he makes a big difference. And when he has a good game, it is very noticeable when he doesn't play well, it's very noticeable as well. Speaking of big men.
1: Yeah. I mean, and he's just, that's just the inconsistencies of a freshman. And again, maybe by February it's, it's not excuse, but he's still learning you know, American game, the American, uh, society um, You know he's he's A good athlete he's not an elite athlete He's strong but he's not as strong as he needs to be He's just inconsistent but he's an 18 year old kid um, But yes They need him to they really need him to find that middle ground of where you know what you can get. He so he needs to raise his floor a little bit for tournament time. Stop dribbling. Um, That's
0: what I asked for. Stop dribbling. Whenever he dribbles, it goes away immediately. Stop dribbling. That's my that and, and make, the haircut are my only issues.
1: And make more and make more bunnies.
0: He misses yes. a lot of bunnies, but but you I can think tell. You can tell too that he's got some pretty good skills. As does OG's, my friend. To learn more about OG's gummies and where you can find them, head on over to og'sbrands.com. Again, all kinds of good stuff. You got the fruit, you got the cream, you got all kinds of good stuff. OG's Brands. Again, you will thank me later for that. And let's see here, some burros. Brad, have you been to some burros before? Well, I know I've asked. I have. You, is it good? So if it's, it's not, good. don't tell me. It's delicious, but right. you know, some burrows, very, very good stuff. Um, Now, hold on just a second. Let me find this. Cause it just went away. Yep. Chester Burnett, we will be bringing you on shortly. Um, where, why did this go away? All of it. All right. Either way, some burrows, check it out. Um, you got all kinds of good food. And on top of that, you can get it. Uh, like I said, in Phoenix, very good stuff, Brad, you like it. I like it as well. This is correct. Absolutely. All right. Now, um, before we get Big Chester Burnett coming in here, let's make fun of uh, let's make fun of ASU a little bit. Um,
1: ASU, are, are we at the end of the Bobby Hurley era? I have no idea, to be honest, because I don't. Well, they don't have an AD, um, so maybe not. Uh, but they have to make a decision. Obviously, Bobby Hurley is what he is. He's a average coach, right? Um, he will get you in the tournament every few years. He's a poor man's Herb Sendak. Um They missed their window. What they should have done is they should have run them last year and they should have just opened the bank for either Patino or Beard. And you take their warts with them. Or, or Moss. Um, you bring in the Moss bus next year. Is he leaving Arkansas for ASU? I mean, you I know he's got, got some guys there. <laughs> yeah, I yeah,
0: do. Don't you? Yeah, of course it is. I yeah. just think – I just Cause, think cause, I think Muss has a shelf life wherever he's at though.
1: And plus I also think that Arkansas may be figuring out they're not a football school and maybe throw some more money at right. basketball. So um to me that's what you do. But he, and it's maddening really if you're an ASU fan cuz you interleague play pretty good. You win for those first few weeks and then it falls apart and it falls apart quickly. And the next thing you know everybody's transferring and you're rebuilding again except the difference is Dana Altman rebuilds successfully more often than not, and Bobby Hurley doesn't.
0: Well, and Bobby um, Hurley, I just never have any idea. Like you watch him, and it just feels like it's every man for himself. It Doesn't really feel like there's any like
1: real idea about what's going on. It reminds me of what we accuse Steve Lavin of being, but Steve Lavin was a good guy with great players, right? So he had good teams. He had Baron. He, Davis, maybe he he may have underachieved, David. right? But hurley's teams and the he, hurley's had some teams with some talent but they just don't gel right and i think a lot of that is his abrasive nature probably um, and you know what's funny about him he's actually a great i he's i've
0: met him once and everybody says he's a great guy off the court a great dude
1: you know what i'll give you a great example from arizona a lot of people didn't like mike stoops's sideline antics guess what stoops was a good dude good, great to interview. You get him one-on-one, very engaging. He was a maniac on the, on the court or on the field. And I think that's kind of Hurley. Cause yeah, I've heard the same thing. I've heard Bobby Hurley just a really good dude. Um, You know, really good family man, things like that. Good in the community. But I think he's abrasive. And I think in many ways, a lot of times when you are an elite player and he was an elite player in college, maybe not in the pros, you have trouble coaching guys who don't want it like you do. Cause he was an elite player who had an elite work ethic. And I think that's tough for some guys. I think that's why a lot of, you know, a lot of guys who are superstars can't make that transition to coaching.
0: All right. Speaking of which, now we're joined by the great Chester Burnett. Chester Burnett. Hello, Chester. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing good, Mike. How you doing, man?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. Very excited. Been trying to get Chester on for about a year now, but we've got Chester in here. First of all Chester, what are you up to man? You're a man of many uh, you're a man of many different avenues. What's going on in Chester Burnett's world?
2: Well, we just got done with this whole um, transfer portal thing as you guys know. So that was been the that's been the highlight of kind of what's been going on in the Burnett household trying to figure that whole thing out for Kean and helping him make sure he was able to make good decisions with regard to that, which I got a lot of comments on, but um then, also, you know, my other son, Gage, he just committed to Cal Poly, you know, San Luis Obispo. So we're, uh, you know, excited about that for his opportunities. And then I got my daughter, who's got to commit here in June to where she's going to go play college for volleyball. So it's a lot of a lot of exciting stuff going on. Didn't anticipate everything to happen with Ken and, you know, with the school there, but, you know, things happen. We had to midstream adjust and kind of go with the flow and get some advice to some people we trust and figure things out. All right, Chester, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit though about what Chester Burnett is up to
0: because you've got your uh, you got your hand in a lot of different pans. What's going on in Chester Burnett's world?
2: Well, I just um I just semi-finished what I'll call is my first book. Um I wanted to put something out for NIL because I haven't seen anything out there that kind of directs these kids as far as what to do with the money because, you know, college pro football as I like to call it now is is a real unique opportunity for these youngsters to to take the money today because some of them are making significant money as i know you guys know you know twenty thousand thirty thousand dollars a year some kids make that but then there's others that are making millions so my whole thing is that you know when i was their age and i remember when i got drafted you know to the to, when i got drafted to the vikings and ended my first year with the redskins i had no idea what to do with the little bit of money i did have I mean I had some money in the bank and i had no idea what to do so I just know if I knew then what I knew now, some of the decisions I make would have definitely paid dividends for me at this point in my life. And I just want these youngsters to kind of understand that. Um, the NFL, what it does is that it has a 401k that you contribute to, and it gives you like two to one. So if it's 19000 you can contribute of your own money. The NFL will contribute double that to your 401k to force people to do it. But they don't let you touch it until you're 45. So right. I feel like a similar thing could be done in college with these kids because You know what's going to happen, and if you give a kid a hundred thousand dollars in a year, they're going to spend a hundred thousand a year. If you give them three hundred thousand, they're going to spend three hundred thousand. But they don't—they don't know necessarily what to do with it to really help themselves in the future. That's kind of what I'm trying to just put in front of them a little bit. Chester, what's the book title? The book is titled "Personal Finance in the Age of NIL," and I'm actually doing a revision of it right now because I had um. There's a lot of examples I wanted to put in of a lot of college student athletes that I've helped and done things for, but Obviously, there's a lot of uh, privacy concerns and things like that. So there were certain things that we couldn't add in it, but I wanted to get something out. So I did. And then just last week, um, after I got it published, the attorneys came back and said, OK, the things I want to do were OK. So I'm doing a revision of it. Um, that'll be done probably in about 30 days. And then I'll get that one down. I'll get you a copy, Mike, so you can see it.
0: All right. Yeah, we get people asking where we can buy it, uh, the book title, all of that, Chester. We will pump that as far as we can. Very cool stuff. Very cool it's stuff. Done. All right, just now. A, let's talk a little bit. Or go ahead, Brad. You had a question. What's up?
1: Yeah, obviously, even just the world of recruiting is confusing. I used to cover recruiting uh, for a living, and you know, you're, you're trying to help parents, uh, not just the D1 level, but everything from NIAI. But now, when you throw on transfer portal, you throw on uh, nil. How confusing has it become? Not only for the kids, but for their parents, their guardians. Uh, their high school coaches who might have a, a hand in it. Now we have seven on seven coaches. Seems like this is maybe the most confusing time ever for recruiting. And it doesn't end uh, when you sign the, the letter of intent.
2: No, it's ridiculous. I mean, you have, you take the situation you obey, you know, everyone's dialed in and ready to go. And, you know, you come off a big bowl game win and all of a sudden, then, you know, within a couple of days, everything changes. These kids lives are disrupted. I mean, you don't know what to do. There's actually no one to turn to, to give you advice. On what happens, but all I know is that you know you have to. What we did as a family, and I think you know the, the you know less than did the kind of the same thing. You take a step back, you look at things for what it is. You take your time, but in everyone's situation is a little bit different. You know, with regard to with regard to Ken, and what I can say is that he's been knowing Coach Powell since his since he was an eighth grader. So that's kind of been the guy who's been leaning on, who's been teaching him, developing developing him, and getting him ready to go. And all of a sudden everything changes. Then he goes to University of Washington. So we didn't really have an option, you know, but to go and explore because the main thing is that obviously I'm a U of A guy, you know, you know, and through, you know, and felt like, you know, my family was going to continue on that same trajectory, but things changed, And I had to say, okay, look, I'm a dad before I'm anything else. So I need to make sure that I'm able to give him proper advice. And I want him to take a step back and look at this thing for what it is, you know, yes, you have a relationship with pal, Yes, you're at the University of Arizona. Things change now, and it's completely disrupted. So it's really bad, and, it's, and the rules, I think, are terrible um, as regard for student-athletes because why is it that a student-athlete, their coach leaves, but you can have no more contact with them unless you hit the portal? And for me, the portal is a dangerous thing because these kids, as soon as you hit the portal, you're technically a free agent. You've released the school of all. They don't have to give you anything. They don't have to take you back. You know, And there's a good chance that you can be on the street. I mean, you're like a free agent in the NFL but it's your education that you're playing with. So it's right. a dangerous thing. And for them not to allow you to continue to have communication, at least with the coaching staff that brought you in for maybe five days or something, I mean, something like that should be allowed so these kids can make make good decisions. I mean, obviously our decision was made and made because of the family and, you know, the Brennans and, and Matt and Coach Atkins and different reasons that, that, you know, Kian is here. But it's not the same for everyone. You know, they don't have the same guidance. So it is very confusing. And then you throw money into it. I mean, all bets are off at that point because most kids are going to go for the money. Yep. Talk a little bit about
0: what the uh, like when you took a step back and everything, and obviously Kean's back at the U of A. What was just kind of the the thought process? What would just take us through the Burnett family household and everything that went on before Kean announced that he was coming back to the U of A?
2: Well, the truth is, is that he was never really gone. So what happened is that we had no choice but to go into the portal so he could communicate with Coach Powell because. When we came on board with Coach Fish, and I have the utmost respect for, for Jed and all the, all the coaches on that team. I mean, they did do a lot of positive things for the school. Now, when we came on board, it was, you know, it was during COVID when he was being recruited and all these different things, but they were very above board and compliant with everything that we did. And that really didn't change at all once this whole process happened. We knew that once things got moving, that we would no longer be able to talk to Coach Powell, the guy who Keen had developed a relationship with, unless we were in the court. So, obviously, we, we did that. Um, he had a few opportunities, which were nice, because he hadn't really played, as you guys know, a lot. He's done very, very well in practices and things like that. But as far as actual playing and game time, I mean, but there was still a lot of interest in him. So, we had to kind of put those things to the side. It was very respectful. It's people that, you know, reach out, you know, once he hit the portal, different schools. And, like, really, you know, he's just – he's trying to figure things out. We don't want to confuse things. So, I took a lot of those calls for him to make sure and just kind of gave him the information he needed. But – Really, you know, once we once we got into the portal, it was like, okay, let's have the communication now. Um, I, I talked to Coach Akina, who I greatly respect right. um, in detail. I mean, he's one of my guys. has been for a long time, even before he came back to the U. So I've discussed things a little bit with him. So he knew we were never out. It was just a matter of, I want to make sure that, you know, when my son, 10 years from now, I want Akina to be able to look back. And when he asked me, Dad, why did you make me stay at U of A? It's not going to be because I went there. It's going to be because... We look at all the opportunities, and this was the best situation for Ken. And as a dad, that's what your responsibility is.
0: All right. He is my breakout player of 2024 as well. I mean, you look at it. Uh, listen, Tanner McLaughlin obviously did a lot of good things. But, man, that tight end room is wide open now, uh, Chester, and very excited to see it because we generally – and, again, you lived it. You know it. You know I generally don't get a lot of high four-star kids here at the U of A in recent years. This is that type of kid, and when you see him in person, you understand why he's got that type of talent.
2: Uh, yeah, he and he's hungry. I mean, he's hungry. He's been he's been starving now for a couple of years. I mean, but the truth is, is that I don't disagree with anything that's really happened in his career to date. I mean, there's a lot of developing that need to happen for him to play the type of tight end, the type of wide position that, that he's being asked to do. Uh, with the new staff, I believe there's going to be some. Um, he'll probably be used a little bit differently. They'll probably use him more to what his natural skill set is, is what I'm what I'm kind of seeing and what I believe after you know speaking with them in detail about it. So I think he's gonna have he's gonna have a lot of opportunity to go out there and do what he does and have fun. Um and he's excited because I think with change, we we look at change as a family as an opportunity, not a setback. So it's a good opportunity. And the people in that building now, I mean, you got bakers, I mean, you got you know, Grant, you got, you know, obviously I'm close with his brother Brad um for many years. So it's just it's just it's a family atmosphere. I mean, you talk about family, I mean, good Lord, I mean it's it's something that feels very comfortable for us.
1: Obviously there's a big difference between being a 17, 18 year old kid when you get on campus and now being, you know, what, 19, 20 year old, by the time the season starts, from a body transformation process, you start becoming a man. Um, How has he changed his body with the weight training, the conditioning? um, And, 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 and frankly, how's he prepared himself now to be a, an older player, a veteran in a D one college program.
2: He's completely dialed in. I mean, from day one, when he first came in, he came in as a wide receiver. I mean, him and T-Mac were wide receivers. I, right. I mean, so he was a receiver. I mean, he he rarely did any blocking. I mean, I remember probably three or four snaps in his high school career and he was in a three-point stance. And then he comes here and all of a sudden he's being asked to block, you know, some of these guys from uh, UCLA and USC and things like that. I mean, of course you're going to get your ass handed to you, which he did, but he took it in stride. And, it, it it you know, you get to tell, you know, the true character of a kid when they're in a the fire and his really came out. He was very frustrated the first season, but the second season he made tremendous strides. You guys probably don't see a lot of that, but he made a lot of strides. He works his tail off. Um, he's going he's gonna to be prepared. I mean, he's he's definitely prepared. His body has transformed tremendously. He's about 245 pounds now. His first year, there were games that he played at 212 pounds the first year. So, I mean, you can't really do that in this conference, you know, as a lie, as a, as a you know, being in a three-point stance. But I think what he's going to be asked to do now, he can do a lot of different things. So being able to block is something that he really, really worked on. Um, he's he's turned some of his weaknesses into strengths. So it's going to be exciting to watch him put that on display. All
0: right. Now, one thing, Chester, I'm wrong on most things, but I told uh, people this from day one. I said, when, uh, when Noah Fafita hits the field, he is never coming off. Were you at all surprised by Noah Fafita's success once he hit the field here at the U of A?
2: Man, I, I got to see Noah up close and personal when we were in eighth grade. And I've been, I mean, his parents are his number one fan, but I mean I can't, I, there's not a kid I think I love more. I mean, this kid is is phenomenal. I mean, the type of person he is, the type of player he is. I mean, I hate to sound cliche, but you talk about never flinching. I mean, it's that's just the nature of who he is. He doesn't back down from anything. He I've seen him, I've seen him play through injury. He's the toughest, he's the toughest kid I've ever seen. I look around the quarterbacks in the country and I'm mean, you know, after the Washington State last year, I was on with Kelvin Ephon on his show, you know, mm-hmm. before the game. And I said, that, you know, Arizona, I don't think that I've ever recalled this having a Heisman candidate. I said, just wait and see. And then Washington State happened. And you guys yeah. saw it happen. after that and he won this run. So Noah does not surprise me one bit. I'm always in awe of him. I mean, I think the kid is – it's very rare that you have a kid that really handles himself like a true professional. And he's been doing that for a very long time. I mean, he – he will rarely take credit. You look at him. I mean, you find, find a clip of him ever taking credit without giving it to his teammates. Right. He gives it to his teammates, his coaches, his family, and first and foremost to God, which I mean, I just have the utmost respect for him. I think he's a phenomenal talent. He's a kid that's always been able to make every single throw on the field. And he was doing that in the eighth grade. So it's it's not a surprise. It's not. And I would tell people all the time as well, like once he gets on the field, he's not coming off. And you're right, Mike. I mean, it was just, it was just a matter of time. And he was getting very, very impatient. I know probably after the at the Mississippi State game last yeah. year, you know, I know after that game, they had to be driving him crazy. I mean, I just, you know, because I know he wanted just wanted an opportunity to get out there and show what he can do, and he knew what he could do. Right. And he never he never lost confidence in himself. He went out there and worked. He was a great supporter. And that just shows a testament to how he was raised. I mean, obviously, more you or know less, and the family's just great.
0: Yeah, what does Les know? He hasn't accomplished anything. What has that guy <laughs> done? um <laughs> oh, yeah. bro- Back to Kean for a second, though. Um, I think a lot of people real, uh, don't realize this as well he didn't have a position coach in high school per se. Like he, like you said, I mean, so the, the learning the tight end, the nuance, the position of all of that is something that, you know, was new to him. And again, so when you look at it. He didn't come here as a finished product. Yes. He was a USC uh, commit at one time. Yes. He was incredibly highly rated. Yes. He could go anywhere he wanted, but that was also because of his natural skills, his natural, the way that he is, uh, the last couple of years was the first time that he's really had tight end coaching. So again, there is a huge, there's an upside to him that we haven't come close to seeing. Chester,
2: there is, there is. I mean, you gotta, you gotta be able to do both. You know, you gotta be able to block to get the rock, is what they like to say. But he was, you know, that was something that he was not very good at. And now, I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, he's, he's, he's serviceable. Now you're not, you're not afraid to put him in those situations in the game because he has shown that he can block, he can slide block, he'll come and kick guys out. He'll go to the second level and get linebackers. So these are all things that he's worked really, really hard on. He does a lot of things that no one sees, you know, to make sure he's prepared, which is which is good. So he will be ready. I mean, I'm I'm just I'm very excited for him. I mean, it's um, I know the pain he's gone through. I know I know how how patient he's been. I mean, I see it all, and I just try and make sure I keep him encouraged. And he's never lost confidence in who he is, and I think that's really important for a player when you're going through that developmental stage. And he's not the only one. There's a lot of kids on this team that are doing that. I mean, you got, I mean, Kevin Green, you got AJ. I mean, you got, you got a lot of guys that got there. I mean, Noah had to go through it for, for a long time while as well. You see what he is. So I think there's a lot of upside here. There's a lot of depth on this squad. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
1: Without giving away any trade secrets from C- Coach Brennan and the offensive staff, does this offense seem like it might be more suited to spreading the ball around? You mentioned, you know, guys like Green. Um, who didn't get a whole lot of touches uh, with with Keon using his ability to be that more athletic hybrid tight end? Do you do you see that in what you've heard from you know these initial you know workouts and meetings with coaches?
2: Well, I think if you look at the history kind of of what they've done, that's probably the best indication. But what you also have to factor in is that you have a superstar quarterback in Nova. that can right. really do a lot of things. So you want to make sure you tailor things around him. I think first and foremost to make sure that you don't lose the progress that the team has made with him, because that's a winning strategy, obviously. Um, I think they will probably spread the ball out a little bit more. They probably won't run as pro style offense. They may not run as much of that, probably 11 personnel grouping. It may be a little bit more 12. One thing we haven't seen since we've been there is 13 personnel. And that may be something that they do as well. And you do have guys in that room. I mean, you got Berto who, you know, is, is a phenomenal guy. You know, over there blocking his tail off, and he's been doing a lot of things he's been asked to do. You got the up and coming kid Dorian. You got the kid um, Tyler Powell. I mean, he's and he can run. So I mean, there's some there's some situations there that they're going to be able to utilize some different things we haven't shown, which I think the more that we can do when we have a guy like Noah sitting back here, and obviously T Mac on the outside, and you got you know Kevin Green or whoever this ends up panning out, speedy in the backfield. I mean, there's a chance for this offense to be completely dynamic and. I mean, you got to be, I mean, I don't know
0: how we're not a top five in the country as far as on the offense. Well, if what we had, we had uh, Kevin Green senior on about a couple weeks ago and he said, you know, the thing that I liked about Noah, he said, just as a son is if you get open, everybody's going to eat. He said, he's just got that ability to be able, if you're open, he's going to get you the ball. There's not going to be favor. I mean, he said, granted T-Mac is going to be prioritized as he should, but he's like, if my, if my kid gets open, then he's going to get the ball. If he doesn't get open, he ain't going to get the ball. It's that simple. And he said, that's as a father, that's reassuring.
2: Well, here's the thing I think about that, the prioritizing. Like, you know, I don't necessarily think he prioritizes T-Mac. I think T-Mac makes plays that T-Mac should make, and he makes plays that he should make. So, you know, Noah, what's really good about Noah, if you think about when he came into USC, what changed about the offense? They didn't change the play calling, but Noah's concepts, and Noah's, Noah trusted all of his reads. Right. When you trust a read in the offense like that, You know, if the safety's on the hash and then he comes down, no no one knows exactly what he's going to, he's firing the ball. Now, it's your job to be where you're supposed to be. Now, if you instill the confidence in him to where you're going to get open, he's going to get the ball to you. If you're not open, now he's going to go to a second and third read. And somewhere between number two and three, if it's not primary at T-Mac, he will be the second or third read. And when he feels comfortable, he's going to fire the ball. And that's when you see the amazing things come from T-Mac. So he will get the ball to you, that's for sure. Chester,
0: have you ever been to Circle K?
2: I have. I love Circle man. That's what we like to hear on this
0: show. Chester, join the, are you part of the Inner Circle where you can get 10 cents off gas? I'm
2: not, but I need to be.
0: All right, Chester, come on, man. I mean, you're you're making moves. Let's be like Chester Burnett, though, and go to Circle K. Join for free by downloading the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit CircleK.com for details. And game time. Let's say that you're uh, not an NFL, ex-NFL player like Chester, and you're somebody like me, and you don't have the connections, and you want to get into the game, though. Game time is here for the people like me. Check it out. All kinds of good stuff at game time. Again, um, let's see. Where is this? Uh, All right. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHNX for $20 off your per. First purchase again. Create an account and redeem code PHNX for twenty dollars off. Chester, are you still are you still killing it in the World Series of
2: Poker as well? I haven't played as much. I've been really focused on you know trying to get this book done and working and things like that. But I am still a high-profile poker player. Yes, I am, and I will get back to doing that.
0: When are you gonna get back into it, man? I've been looking for it, and I haven't seen any Chester Burnett.
2: Well, I, I played a little bit. I mean, I won a I won a decent-sized tournament last year, but. What I did want to do, and I was talking to B Sanders about this, is I wanted to do something with alumni guys at either Desert was Desert, what's the casino there? Desert Diamond or yeah. one of the ones in Tucson to do something that we can kind of all get together and have a way to do something. So I'll be in it soon, but I never I never i never I'm never too far away from poker. When are you
0: getting back to Tucson?
2: I'm coming back to Tucson for Ken's twenty-first birthday. So I'll be out there this coming
0: kind of weekend. I oh wow. I actually see I see Keen quite a bit going down because I live off of I live right off campus. I see him on his little scooter or one of those little birds uh, jetting yeah. in and out. I always say just don't sprain your ankle, man. You'll be good otherwise.
2: Exactly. I'm trying to get him get rid of that thing. So when I get out there this time, I'll probably just find a way to get into the garbage. Yeah, I
0: was gonna say you can take care of it at that point. Just come down here. Just don't tell him who outed uh, him that he's still on one of those things. Got you. I got you. Okay. Pleasure. all right Chester Brad this was awesome as always my man I appreciate you giving me some of your time buddy you're the man of course my pleasure man thank you all right that's Chester Burnett that's Brad Alice I'm Mike Luke you've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast
2: we all silly like the mayor